Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks for hanging out here. Today on the show, I am, man, I'm jacked up to share this one. This was a great conversation, a very enlightening conversation, educational, entertaining, incredible, all of those things, all of the amazing adjectives, verbs, all the things, all the things. This was, uh, you know, for any print fan out there, foil stamping is, is a bit of like an art form. You know, it, it, it can create incredible experiences. It can create amazing um, packaging on the shelf. It can create this luxury feeling behind any product that it's put on. And foil stamping is just beautiful, especially when you can create things like the folks who are on this show today. My guest on this show is Jamie from Foilco. And if you have not heard of Foilco before, you need to stop right now, go to Instagram and look up Foilco, F-O-I-L-C-O, and just get a small little glimpse of the amazing work that these guys are putting out. They are a foil manufacturer, but they approach this in a completely different way than a lot of the other manufacturers out there, in my opinion. I have been in the print industry and been handed foil swatch books before, and they're kind of, meh, it's a little bit gaudy, actually, a little bit over the top. Foil Co. goes the opposite direction, and they promote themselves mainly through collaborations with designers doing cool things or ideas that they come up with themselves, like the key project we talk about in this episode, that they then work with a graphic designer on creating. And some of these projects came together through happy little accidents, things that they didn't mean to happen, but they did. And when they did, oh, wow, this looks way better than what we were originally planning. Hold on. Let's switch it up a bit. So I'm just going to get right into this episode because it's a great conversation, an entertaining conversation, and all of the things, like I said before, also with some great sayings, like great little little uh, little tidbits. I don't know what you'd call them, but you know, little, little sayings you could pull out of this. Jamie, a very enlightening gentleman. So folks, I'm going to put photos of this episode up on our Instagram so you can get some visuals of the stuff that we are talking about in this episode, but let's get to the conversation. My guest, Jamie from Foilco. Hit the intro. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Jamie, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Dave. Good. No, I'm happy to have you. I'm happy to chat print and dive into some of the stuff. We've already had some pretty damn exciting sort of pre-record, um, you know, conversations. So, mm-hmm. so I want to get right back into that as quickly as we can. But first up, um, just tell the listeners about yourself. Who are you? What's Foil Co? What do you got cooking? Okay, so um, my name is Jamie. Um, I'm the marketing manager at Foil Co. 
Um, I basically look after the communications of the business. I try and help the company to, you know, inspire a, a, a whole community of people. Um, I try and give across my enthusiasm across uh, different mediums of print, but specifically, obviously, foil um, and the benefits and and, and the um, the excitement that comes with it. Um, Foilco are a family-based uh, company. It was started in 1987, um, and we supply the world's largest range of foils to the print industry. Um, we work with some really big brands, but we also work with some you know, backstreet printers. We work with some creative, you know, artists. We we can basically work with anybody and we will. So very cool. So I love that it's a family run company. Uh, and whereabouts are you located? So we're located in a place called Lowton, which is in between uh, Warrington and Manchester. Got it. Got it. Um, so are you a Man City guy or are you a Man United guy? No, I'm, 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 I'm for my, I say for my sins, but I'm a big Evertonian. So my dad's from Liverpool. And if you know people that come from Liverpool, generally speaking, they're Evertonians. Gonna offend <laughs> me, so. <laughs> Love it. Fair enough. No, it's all good, man. <laughs> um, Jamie, I want to hear a little bit more about your experience with print and packaging. Do what, what is like the earliest memory of printer packaging that you have? Maybe something from your childhood, from your teens? Mm. That, I mean, that is a, that's a, Big question. Um, mm-hmm. I think going back, the, the, the most relevant one for me at the moment is actually recalling Pokemon cards. Yeah. Um, I had an obsession with Pokemon. Um, the cards themselves, everyone was different. You know, face every face was different. We had different types of Pokemon on there. Um, you had shinies. You had holographic cards and you know just being able to collect them i remember trading like 20 regular cards for a holographic card and Mm -hmm. you know that excitement of getting hold of of a rare pokemon like that and there was only 150 back when i started in generation one um i know there's like nearly a thousand now is there Um, really that many holy oh man yeah it's a lot so yeah for, for me that's the one that really stuck with me because I was there when the Pokemon craze started to really kick off. And mm-hmm. I remember being like eight or nine and every single day, you know, every time I went into the playground, it was about, you know, swapping and trading and stuff like that. And I just think what an incredible thing, because long story short, and the reason why, you know, I, I find it really exciting is because my six year old literally in the last two weeks has, has got into Pokemon cards. And I mean, yeah. he is sleeping. He has his deck in his, bed you know he's he's coming home absolutely buzzing because he's had these these new cards and you know i'm going back through them and the nostalgic value of that is incredible you know he mm-hmm. he opened an ultra rare one from a booster pack that he bought with his own money and you know seeing his face light up and seeing how much it means to him and just thinking you know 26 years ago give or take um, these cards are still relevant, and actually, from a print perspective, they've barely changed. I mean, the design on the on the reverses are still the mm-hmm. same. You know, the 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 illustrations are pretty similar. If I'm being honest, all right, you get a new generation of designs and stuff, but you're talking about something that's lasted that long, which mm-hmm. I don't think anybody at the time would have would have said that it would have would would still be here or still be as relevant. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so for me, that 
you know, I just feel like a kid again when you get all those cards and you you can you can trade them up, all the colours. You know, the vibrancy of those cards is nothing short of incredible. Um, yeah. And for me, I, I you know, racking my brain, I'm sure there was probably other things that were a little bit more relevant. You know, not relevant, sorry, but a little bit more, how would I say, inspirational. But actually, mm. when I think about those cards, they bring back a lot of memories. You know, that's you know, spending loads of times with my friends going through, going through those things. And mm -hmm. I just think the impact that they had was something that you can't, you know, you can't knock, you can't ignore it. Yeah. That's so, so. cool. I, and I love how you said the nostalgic value of that, you know, going through it. Um, I recently sort of rediscovered pogs. Did you guys yeah. get into pogs? Remember those? Yeah. Yeah. So I recently got back into those and I did a video and I put it up on our YouTube channel not that long ago about, the nostalgic value of print, you know, when you're holding those cards and certain cards or certain pogs, you just, you're immediately taken back to a moment. And, you know, the same is true with like the goosebumps storybooks from when I was younger, like those are the same thing. They you get taken back to a moment and, you know, now being older and in this print industry, um, and I'm sure you in this foil industry, you look at those Pokemon cards and you're like, oh yeah, look at that holographic. That's like, that looks like hollow 472 or whatever. Like, <laughs> you, like you're sort of building these adult connections yeah. with them. And, um, yeah, I look at them differently from a standpoint of like a, a graphic designer had that on their screen, probably in the Adobe software and then exported it and got it ready for print. Like a designer did that. And it had this like long lasting nostalgic impact on my life. Mm. So it's pretty cool to sort of sort of take that apart and, and think about that in as a kid, but also now as an adult with a different perspective on it. Oh, without a doubt. And I think from me, for, you know, from my perspective, um, I didn't realize I'd be ending up in foil. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I would never have guessed that I was sitting there as a nine-year-old going, you know, that shiny stuff, that holographic stuff that's yeah. on this card. You know, boys, this is what I'm going to be doing when I'm older. I'm going to be selling me a spot in foil. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I just think it's, it's it, you know, it's a phenomenal thing. And I think what you were saying before about, you know, you know, a designer did that, you know, yeah. a creative did that. Like, mm -hmm. that is now evoking emotions for me that is bringing a lot of things back, a lot of memories yes. back. But also, again, it's bringing it to the fore now because my son, his face when he comes in, you know, he's absolutely beaming. And, and you know, before he goes to bed now, he's asking me, where are my cards? Where, where is this? Where is that? Yeah. And I just think, oh, man, he's got the bug. And, <laughs> yeah. Boy, he's going to land himself a foil when he gets older. <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if, if I had anything to do with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it just allows you to create some pretty cool things. So, so what about recently? Um, have you had any recent interactions with printer packaging that really surprised you? Um, I'm not sure there are any surprised me because I, I think since being in this industry, I mean, I've been in it four or five years. I think mm -hmm. every single day something comes up that you kind of get taken away with and something that you just think, whoa, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, And actually, sometimes it's like the simplest things I find, you know, just the way that, I don't know, something's laid out or a special effect that's added to it. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say that there's any one particular thing, if I'm being brutally honest. And mm -hmm. and I think, as you know, being in the creative industry, um, you know, we're, we're going into a world where the digital, for example, digital mediums are meeting the print medium and 
I'll be honest, that excites me. I know a lot of people will probably be thinking, you know, that's not true or traditional print, but I actually think it, it, it when you can use those things together, when mm-hmm. you can use physical print to kind of promote something digitally, that's yes. fine. That's yes. cool. And, you know, the use of tech, AR and stuff is unbelievable. It, yeah. it can benefit. And, I, you know, I think print as a medium, hands down, for me, is still the best. 100%. Um, and, and what you touched on, the that relationship between, you know, physical print and digital that is like that's the way things are going especially in advertising mm. like you you have a lot of people out there right now with digital fatigue right because of yep. covid and being working from home and in front of a screen all the time mm. so you have a whole a lot of people craving these sort of physical interactions give me a book don't i don't want to scream but give me a book or something yeah, yeah. so if you can wow them with some kind of direct mail piece that directs them to a catalog, they still don't want a 400 page catalog delivered to their door. But if you give them a real clever direct mail, that's going to get attention like crazy right now, because it's something physical. It's something they can interact with that drives them to some digital resource to make a purchase or something like that. That is the way things are going. That is the, that beautiful interaction of print and digital. Without a doubt. And I think, you know, you were saying about these direct mailers, like you will have to do something that really sets that piece of print apart. Mm-hmm. And being brutally honest, physical print is the only way you're going to be able to do that. Yeah. Because we have seen it. Let's be honest, in a digital space, we've almost seen everything. And I, and <laughs> yeah. I, don't, mean, I don't mean to take away, obviously, digital creators, digital artists or anything like that, because the work that they do is nothing short of remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but for me, what physical print does when it, when it li- literally lands on your desk, that is a physical embodiment of creativity. Mm-hmm. That is what someone had in their mind and it has become a reality and everything is considered from the stock to the weight, to the way that it looks, to how the way that it feels, to the way that certain colors work together. Someone has literally formulated that from the from their amazing brain yeah and you know like a fine you know fine uh restaurant would with all the different ingredients they take the best you know i don't know they take the best ingredients from here they take the best ingredients from here but it the, the chefs the masters are the guys that actually put that all together mm-hmm. and thus you're presented with this incredible piece and i think yeah. with print like I say, you just you you can't get better for it because so much love, so much thought, so much respect has gone into that, you know. And it and at that point, even with the creative, like the, the creative's perspective, that goes through a process, and that process goes to someone who's operating the machines, or you know, he's who's the finisher, or you mm-hmm. know, the guy who then has to make sure that machine is running on tune, has to make sure that you know, these different combinations of foil and paper work. And and I, and I just think, like, there's so much more that goes into print. And like I said, I am not taking anything away from digital because I genuinely believe it's the future. But a, a practical, physical piece of print, I mean, look, I'm, I mean, I'm surrounded by stuff at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I just think that's what makes you smile. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, you know, you go to the most basic one that everybody receives and everybody knows exactly what I'm going to say when I say it is the fast food direct mail that you get. 
It's like a postcard with some like old pixelated misregistered pictures of hamburgers with, you know, perforations through it all. There's nothing special about that. There's nothing unique about that. It's just, it, it's so, it's a, it's a utility. It's just, it's just nothing there. But look, if you made that smell like bacon, if you die cut that thing, if you had some scratch off or a pull tab, something to interact with, immediately your ROI goes up. Mm-hmm. People are spending more time with that, are paying more attention to it instead of, oh, flyer, burger, garbage. Yeah, I agree. And print is magic at the end of the day because mm-hmm. not, not only does it look cool, you know, print gives us instructions. It gives us directions. Yeah. It, 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 it gives emotions. It, it tells us how we should feel about something, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and, I, and I think, you know, you look at ev- everywhere. I mean, print literally saves lives. If you think about like, fire exit signs or you know no entry signs and stuff like yeah. that i think you know it's everywhere it's prevalent but then you know in print it's used to you know help us make a decision on whether to buy product a or product b or mm-hmm. you know if you think about where print is in the world a lot of people would think only on mailers and only on catalogs but actually just look around your office look at labels that are attached to you know, products and that helps yes. a company identify the product or that helps a retailer to, to know how much something is. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think print is everywhere. It will never die. It, it will never die because it's a powerful, powerful tool. And, you know, pe- people will, you know, come up with new things. Like I said, mm-hmm. with the digital thing, people will come up with new things, but it's never replacing it. No. Never in a million years. Yeah, if you sort of look at what the next evolution of of sort of evolvement is in, you know, let's look at the grocery store market and packaging. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so Amazon has these, you know, checkout list grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's our next evolution. We're still a ways away from everybody, all the grocery stores having that. But you go in there and so now you, all you all you have as a communication tool is packaging. Packaging yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The next evolution is you take away the packaging. No, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So I mean, print will be there. I, I do like the idea that we will walk into a retail store and we want some cereal and we just have to have massive hands <laughs> and just scoop it up and essentially walk out and that'd be like, I'm sorry. Sorry, love. I only could afford you know to get the the cereal today. Tomorrow, you know, I'll go back in an hour and get the milk yeah. as it drips through your your fingers and stuff. Yeah, you just get in there. No bags, no nothing. We're a hands only grocery store. Yep, that's it. Maybe I'm onto something. <laughs> Keep working on that one, Jamie. I think there's something there. I think there's something there. Man, um, so have you ever been involved or designed any of your own print projects? Um, I I wouldn't say on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, I've helped to to develop concepts and stuff within Foilco mm-hmm. um, that have sort of been there in my mind or I've been inspired by something and thus I wanted to see whether it would work in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I then, you know, put that put that through to, to, to the creatives to kind of visualize or realize that, that idea and that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, one you know, in particular that I'd, I'd love to talk to you about is, is the icky guy, um, print project that, that, that we did, um, yeah. which essentially came about from, we, we provide testing and sampling services. 
right? So we we try and help anybody along the specification process, whether that's creatives, whether that's printers, you know, mm -hmm. to, to understand the capabilities of foil. Um, we know there are some foils that just won't work with some materials, but yep. the designer or the creative still wants it. You know, they still want to use it. So it's our job to kind of take that burden and that ambiguity and, you know, the gray area and go, actually, we can make it work and we make a suggestion. Mm -hmm. So that might mean underpinning it with a different foil that will work and then obviously putting a foil on top. Now, we, we were sampling and testing a couple of um, uh, foils for a, for a couple of clients and there was a misregister on the machine. And basically what happened, I realized that some of our semi-opaque or transparent foils, when you layer them, you're actually getting an entirely different finish. And it's not something that is, you know, commonly practiced, I would say. Um, I would say printers would try and avoid it, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Because um, yeah. it, it, it can, can be problematic. If, you, if mm. you don't have the right tools, if you don't, you know, experiment in that respect, then you won't know if these things are going to work. So, mm. yeah, we saw, I saw a misregistration. I thought, ah, do you know what, that would be super cool. So I started... Um, started looking at Venn diagrams and obviously they overlap and, and, and I was trying to find some, some, some inspiration around that. And then I came across um, basically a, a, a Japanese philosophy called Ikigai. Um, and it's the reason to get out of bed in the morning, which I just think like, you know, we spoke pre pre recording, you know, sometimes we need to know what we're doing to get out of bed. Um, <laughs> and you know, I just thought it was a really lovely thing at a time where, if I'm being honest, my work-life balance wasn't great. Mm -hmm. um, and when I started reading up on the concept, I realized just what a wonderful idea it was. It was kind of taking, you know, what you're good at, what you love, what you get paid for, and kind of rebalancing it so that actually it's not overloaded in one area. So you get mm -hmm. this beautiful, you know, Venn diagram shape overlapping notion. And to be honest, it just create itself okay that's super cool and i think right now then would be a good time to really dive into that um now when i post this episode i'm going to put the you know some photos up on our instagram to really show um this piece you're talking about but while we're chatting here i'm going to bring it up on the screen and we'll just sort of flip over to that for a sec here okay so now we're looking sort of at the main piece like the, the piece that we're talking about. Um, give me the, just continue sort of with the story on this piece and, and you know, how you discovered this concept and this misregistration and how that led to actually creating a piece and what, what it was used for. So um, as I spoke about the, the misregistration and samples, so I think some a customer had asked for our pearlescent foils and our transparent foils and, mm -hmm. and asked if we could uh, layer them in order for them to, to, to ensure that they would sit well on the stock and that, mm -hmm. you know, that it was compatible. Um, and then, yeah, the misregistration happened. And then I realized tonally you get this beautiful shift between the original foil, the, the the layered foil, if you like, and then this piece in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of was like, okay, this is super cool. So I, I'm actually going to do a couple of stamps. So we had a circular die that we just happened to have downstairs because, like I say, we have we 
we help um, provide prints and stuff for those who want to understand what certain foils look like on certain materials. Um, and we had this we had this circular die, and I was like, I'm going to try this. So we on our machines downstairs. I just you know gave it a go, and and I and I just realised how beautiful some of the results were. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being brutally honest, not all of them we'd be able to replicate in an actual foil that would go down in one pass. So. Mm-hmm. Taking that notion, we essentially came up with the Venn diagram. And um, like I said, the concept behind Ikigai was to obviously showcase that in a really nice, beautiful way. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, for for the four foils that have obviously gone into that particular piece, that is called the Tokyo. Um, Obviously, Neon City. So we've got our oil and water um foil on there and i just felt it really evoked that sort of like nightlife kind of scene of tokyo yeah yeah um and yeah the idea of putting the oil and water foil on top of colors you then get that color as a base and then you get the foot you you know you get the the oil and water effect on top of it and it it, honestly it just ran and yeah we, we ended up with these incredible pieces we've got three different types we've got Tokyo, which we can see now. Um, we've got Osaka, which was named after the beautiful um, seaport in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more blues. You know, I've got cracked ice um, effect foil in there that obviously is to represent, obviously, winter seasons. Um, and then we've got Kyoto. Kyoto is the city of um, culture in Japan. And I just felt like the really soft sort of cherry blossom sort of tones would work really well for that one in particular. So, yeah, it's it, it's a lovely set of cards. Um, we've got Studio DBD who who does a lot of our uh, design work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we come up with concept. He laughs at us for a bit, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes away and actually puts his stamp on it. And honestly, like that guy is an incredible designer, um, and we're lucky to be you know, be able to use Dave and, and, and his knowledge of the industry. Um, so, yeah, we, we can see on there, for example, on the Osaka one, we've got our cracked ice uh, clear foil on top of um, a blue foil. And what you get is that blue cracked ice, um, which we have one already, but, you know, it's a slightly different, it's a slightly different, approach to that particular uh Mm -hmm. finish um you know i've got the cards here with me as well um we've got the mint green just at the bottom um Mm -hmm. with the cracked ice effect over the top and again we wouldn't have been able to do that um or create that finish and i think inspiring people to 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 look at foil slightly differently it's not Mm -hmm. just a solid uh, a completely opaque finish actually you can layer them um you then do end up with a series of different different finishes so you know of the four the four that are on these cards for example you're ending up with 16 different finishes yeah and I think, no, sorry, 12, sorry, 12. My math is terrible, hence why I got into creative stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you end, up with, you end up with 12 different finishes, which, you know, from a foiling perspective would be, would be hard to replicate on a, on a box. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Okay, so just to get into this, you have this idea, this sort of epiphany of of doing this sort of Venn diagram piece, mm-hmm. and and how do you how do you sell that internally? Like, what is the goal of this piece? Is it just something obviously to showcase the foil? But is this something you want to give out to current customers or use as a marketing piece? And how was that um, approach? So um, our approach was to to essentially inspire people to experiment with foil. Um, and it's, you know, we're not creative. You know, I, I, I will have, put my you know hands up and say, listen, I'm not the most creative person in the world. I'm I'm a marketeer, yes, but you know we let we let dave run with it i mean we we know what we're doing in terms of a, from a foil perspective mm-hmm. and being able to tell people this is what you can do with foil you know we we've spoken about education and the importance of it and you know if we can educate people to understand that there's not as many limitations to foiling as you would as some people are led to believe mm-hmm. um you can walk into a printer and you can empower yourself with the knowledge that you can do that Mm-hmm. You know, we we've shown that you can do that. Um, I just think, you know, sometimes if I'm being brutally honest, um, there are a lot of people who are kind of told that's not going to be possible. You're not going to do that. You, it, that's not going to work. And I mm-hmm. think anything will work if you if you try. There are, you know, we're, we're talking about creativity is about trying. It's about trying new things. Experimenting, hundred percent. And you know, I. I, Foilco, we feel very similar on this. Like, you know, the importance of inspiration mm-hmm. shouldn't be understated. And, yeah, the, the Ikigai cards were to kind of make people smile, to, to also reassess, you know, their own lives. You know, mm-hmm. we were going through a period of, you know, we had COVID and everything and the prevalence of, of this sort of piece that tells you to think, re, not reprioritize. We're not telling anybody mm-hmm. to reprioritize. The Japanese philosophy is just to go, do you know what? Let's rebalance. Let's, let's, let's reset. Like, think about what is important at life. Think about what you're good at, you know? Think about what you love doing and mm-hmm. then kind of try and make that fit you rather than always constantly going, ah, oh, you know, I've got to go to work today. Don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And, you know, anybody that wakes up and goes, I don't enjoy work, here's my advice. Go get another job. <laughs> Find okay. something you enjoy. Do something that you love doing. It is vitally important for your own mental health. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's vitally important for, for people that, you know, are not showcasing their potential. You know, I'd, I would hate to think that anybody sitting sitting here going, you know what? I I, I just feel like a number in a, in 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 a place. If you've got any sort of you know creative now, or if if you want to try things, my honest advice would be just do it. Someone will like it. Some mm-hmm. you know, someone will pick that up. Just do what you believe is right and 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 follow your heart. So I, I love that idea. And, you know, in this print world, you, you know, I've been in print sales for a long time. And when you're you know, speaking specifically about direct mail, something like that, if you're talking about doing a direct mail, you know, a lot of the conversation is ROI. How do I get a return on that, that investment, return on that cost? But really, 
I understand the business side of it, but creating something really unique and special just to create it and share it is like, there isn't a look, I spent $10,000 on this and I got $20,000 back. There isn't a direct line to ROI, but the return on that investment, it grows your, your brand value, your brand perception. Um, you know, you're not doing things just for the money. You're part of that creative community. You're contributing to that creative community and giving back, expecting nothing in return other than you put something out there that could help, could inspire, could encourage um, somebody else. And it showcases your product. Like that's a, that's a happy circle all the way around. Um, so I love that approach of, you know, let's put this together. I don't know that we're going to make our, make more money because we put it together, but it's going to be really cool. And it's going to show some cool stuff with our product. Without a doubt. And that's one thing I would say about Fogo. Listen, we are a business, you mm-hmm. know, we have to make money, but everything that we do, the way that we communicate things out, there is no hard sell here. Yeah. Honestly, like, we don't want people to go there and go, you need to buy that phone or, you know, you need to think about that. That's not us. Mm-hmm. That's not how we roll. Um, and yeah, like you say, we, we would rather have a slow build that people just kind of realize we're doing this because we actually genuinely love it. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we love our product. We absolutely love the creative communities. We yeah. think print and design are just harmoniously beautiful um and yeah i just i just think you know too many companies i mean we, we talk about you know obviously your fast food flyer and stuff like that before it it just feels a bit hard it just feels yeah. like you should you should get this and it's like do it different you just mm-hmm. you, you said before you know put perforation die cut it do do whatever you need to do like inspire people to believe that you're willing to go above and beyond the profit yep. and actually you're doing it for the betterment of the industry yep yep exactly and you know inevitably by leading that conversation and being the leader in that space of producing inspirational pieces showing designers what is possible naturally they will gravitate to you when they're ready to do those things, right? You'll be the top of mind because you led that conversation. You showed them what was possible. So clearly you're the experts and you guys know, so we better go there. Hmm. So that stuff happens, you know, not, I say not on purpose because you're not purposely creating a direct mail piece to sell more of cracked ice foil. Yeah. You're, you're just, you're putting it out there for the betterment of the industry. Without a doubt. So I want to get into just like a little bit more about this particular piece in terms of like the paper um, Mm -hmm. and how many of these you guys produced. Like, so you got a very specific paper mentioned here that I've never heard of. Um, Mm. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, Takio, one of the oldest, the most prestigious paper supply, basically paper producers in the world. Um, You know, this is a Japanese concept, you know, a Japanese concept. And it absolutely made sense that we try and tie this back to Japan. Um, as I say, Takio are an incredible, incredible outfit. Um, mm. The amount of paper that those guys produce is nothing short of remarkable. I, pr- I, I, if anybody hasn't heard of Takio, please go and check them out. Okay, because their materials, their stocks are nothing short of art. If I'm being honest with you, we've got a couple of prints. 
in you know in the building which are they're all you know some of them are handmade mm-hmm. and they are of exquisite quality um so it just made sense that we should approach takio and say listen we would love to use one of your papers on this concept and do you know what was really lovely actually is there is always this fear if you take on board a cultural philosophy from a completely different country that there is almost a uh, there is almost a risk that you smear or lose the authenticity of that particular philosophy or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you don't ever want to offend anybody of where this originated from. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we presented the idea to Takio, they, they were very welcoming. They were, you know, really up for it. They loved the concept. They loved the idea and were happy to provide, you know, the paper for it. But the response they had after that, afterwards, when they saw it and they physically, you know, had them, we just kept getting emails like saying how much they loved it and, you know, how, how much they would almost not surprised i don't ever want to say like they'd be surprised by something but they weren't even aware that you could do this with foil and i think you know this is this is a an incredibly well-established uh you know manufacturer of paper and they've used foil for god knows how many years and you know they're coming back to us going we didn't even think you could do that and it's a beautiful beautiful piece and there is nothing more like I say, there's nothing more that you can you could ever want than you know taking a philosophy or taking an idea from a different culture, and then you know those that live and breathe within that within that country actually turn around and go, Do you know, that was a beautiful piece, you know. That's cool. Such a cool experience. And were you so you were you guys familiar with Takio before this? Have you had you worked with their products before this, or was this your first chance to get to use their product? No, we we were well aware of, of Takio because, like I say, they're 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 a huge um, you know paper supplier and and they we've all, we've sat you know on our on our paper library. So we have a paper library of all the different papers from all the different manufacturers and suppliers yep. across the world. Mm-hmm. Now Takio basically sits, being honest, pride of place on the top shelf because we weren't even sure whether we were going to be able to get some of these. These 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 things are like hen's teeth. You know, only <laughs> only the best of the best, um, you know, can get hold of their full collections. And, and, and through the relationship that we had with them, we managed to get one. Um, so they sit right right on top, adorning our um, paper library. But yeah, they they just you know we we had to we I suppose we had to pay a lot of respect in that res- in 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 that notion. We had to sort of make sure that whatever we did not only paid homage to the mm-hmm. culture, but also respect was, was, you know, it would be able to perform. Um, and knowing that they had some ludicrous amounts of papers, I can't even tell you if it gave you a number, I'd be lying. I'll be honest. Um, but we knew they'd have something and we, you know, we, we tried out a couple of options and yeah, to be funny, the, the, the cushy was like on, on it was just beautiful. Um, it gave mm-hmm. us exactly the right finish that we were after. You know, it, it performed incredibly well under our, you know, under our foiling conditions. And mm-hmm. yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't have asked for better. And what I love about this is because it's such a beautiful paper, you didn't flood the whole thing with ink and then foil stamp it. Like you've let the paper and the foil 
do the talking. Like you will know the quality and value of this piece um, before you even get your hands on it. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that, that, that there is no print on it. Because you know, if you if you saw it, people would expect it to be printed. There is there is no print. There's no digital print. There's no lighter or anything on it. It is foil. Um, but one of the things, one of the things that we we tried to be careful of is we didn't want it to be really stark text colors. Yeah. So we went for a light gray, basically pigment, um, to kind of again tonally sit with those softer palettes. Um, yes, if you went with the black or something like that, it would just be a massive contrast and take away from. Yeah, the goal of the piece. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So it sits, in my opinion, it sits beautifully subtly alongside the foil. Um, It doesn't overpower the foil, but it's clear to read as well. And I think that's important because one of the other things that we try and ensure is not only is it designed and does it look amazing, you know, it needs to be practical as well. And, you Mm -hmm. know, that is, that's a designer's, that's the designer's goal. It's something that looks amazing and serves a function. Yep. It has to work. 100%. That's so beautiful. And I did get um, your samples, but I purposely did not look at these particular ones yet because I wanted to have this conversation with you and then go over there and experience that. Um, so I definitely will be doing that um, later today, going over and actually get my hands on this piece because I'm, I'm jazzed up about this now. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Awesome. Jamie, that's so great. Love this piece. Thank you so much for sharing this. Um, I want to get into now, um, and maybe, I hope you got a story, but maybe you don't, um, about maybe it's something that you guys tried that didn't quite work out as expected, a, a failed project, if you will. You know, I, I want designers listening to this show to understand that it's incredibly like it's it's totally possible to create something incredible in print, but there's also a learning curve, yeah. and and sometimes things don't exactly work out like you imagined. But there's lessons to be learned from that, and the more lessons I can share with designers, the less likely they are to run into the same corners. Um, so yeah, do you have anything like that that didn't quite work out? I do, and you know what? There's. <laughs> And again, this is no reflection on, on, on print as a whole, but you know, things happen, mm-hmm. you know, things that don't go to plan as you, as you have in your mind. Like I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist in some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, I try and map out exactly what I want, when I want it, how I want it, how it looks, blah, blah, blah. Well, some, some things don't go right and they don't go right all the time. And do you know what, to be honest, sometimes they're happy mistakes. Yes. Um, and one of the one of the most famous ones internally is our, and this is an exclusive, so no one actually knows that this was a mistake. So you're gonna get you're gonna get this right. And I think to be fair, this message that I'm about to show you now kind of embodies what I'm going to be talking about. So <laughs> basically, this um, these are our cards for our not another environmental policy so one of the things that we try and do is is not just from a foil perspective obviously show off foil in the best way but we also try and tell people about the environmental um yeah. and it's you know the environmental side of foiling um you know it's a completely repulpable product um it doesn't affect the repulping process we've we've had this tested numerous times we know that you can cover a piece of you know packaging up to 80 percent with stamping foil and it still won't affect the um the repulping process um 
you know, we, we have to go through, if I'm being honest, quite a lot of um, fake news and we have to go through a lot of misinformation that's within the industry. And, mm-hmm. and we have to kind of in, educate people into understanding actually the, the, the real side of stamping foil. And we know that sustainability is a big, a big topic at the moment and rightfully so. Um, but the, when it comes to foil, the amount of people that would just automatically go, well, it's metal, it can't be recycled. Well, hang on a minute. The, you know, one of the most recycled materials on the planet is metal. So, uh, not entirely sure that argument sits well. But um, yeah, so this, is, these are the cards. These are the graphic cards that came with our with our policy. So we had a document that basically went out to brands, it went out to customers, and it kind of said, actually, the, these are the facts. The, these are the frequently asked questions. This is us trying to do our bit to kind of actually say, listen, foils are a lot better, and actually against a, a lot of the other print processes are actually the most sustainable um, because essentially you've got a brass or, you know, a copper die um, mm-hmm. that is used to obviously make the impression, you know, there's, there's no sort of nasty chemicals or anything that are involved in that process. They're CNC routed. Um, you heat the die, you basically have a foil. Yes, it's on a polyester backing, but we run our own um, zero foil to landfill scheme. So we actually mm-hmm. collect the polyester, the used foil from customers and clients and actually we repurpose it. So we bail it here um, and it's basically used as an SRF, which um, basically is a sort of recovered fuel. Um, and then it's used to create thermal energy. So due to the high calorific value of polyester, it actually is more effective than burning fossil fuels. So I did not know that. Yeah. And I, listen, I will give you loads more information about that um, because, again, you know, how long have you been in print? And you didn't know that. And yeah, I've been in print nearly 20 years. And the, yeah. the running story is that when you foil stamp something – you're drastically limiting the recyclable possibilities of that. No, no. And and that, that is part of our, our problem. Even those who have been in the industry for that long yeah. don't actually know what you can and what you can't do with it. And as long as the material and the substrate that you're actually standing onto mm-hmm. is, you know, recyclable, mm-hmm. it's fine. I mean, if you, if you, if uh, basically if you're, if you're coating it, in something that would deem non-recyclable, then yeah, obviously it's gonna, it's not gonna be able to go through the same process. But mm-hmm. you know, if you if you put in so elephant grey board, you know, if for example that foil will just dissipate within the repulping process. Yeah, it, it, it it's less than two and a half microns thick once it's transferred, which is you know, you know, a micron is a thousandth of a millimeter. Yeah, put that into perspective. You know, it's it's, it's very it's thin. It's nothing. So. Um, yeah, this is so. I'm going to go on to the 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 mistake. In, yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason I'm going to go into the mistake because actually, again, it was a happy it was a happy result in the end. Um, so I wanted to go for essentially uh, autonomous tonal uh, approach to this when it comes to the to, to the colours. So mm-hmm. you'll see it's an environmental. Yes, there's strong messaging on it, um, but there's a real environmental message behind that. So I was thinking leaves, you know, mainly so that there's different shades of green and different shades of copper in it yeah. and there's six cards associated within here and i'll go through those in a second okay. um and yeah it, it the whole idea was to keep them autonomous now this actually is for foil sake so anybody who, who likes crass language <laughs> that you're wrong it's foil um so these actually have our um environmental 
messages on. So okay. these are they're actually quite punchy, quite cool. We're, we're kind of poking fun at the fact that, let's be honest, there's too many greenwashing companies out there that kind of go, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And here's a 400,000 page document that's going to tell you how good mm-hmm. we're going to be. But actually, mm-hmm. they don't do it yeah, because they know you're going to, I'm going to read it. So we put it on six cards and said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And we've done it. So yeah, we are fed up. Um, oh gosh. Oh, oh wait. So we've got, what do we know? Obviously. Um, what do we know? We don't know, we don't know nothing. And who cares? Honestly, why, why, why would anybody care about the invite? Well, we do. And that's part of the, part of the point. Now I am going to get, oh gosh, I keep doing this the wrong way. I am going to get to the point in a minute. Um, so we work together at the end of the day, Anything related to the planet is never going to be stopped or helped by any one person. It's Mm -hmm. going to be all of us. It's going to be Mm -hmm. everybody coming together and doing their part. Okay. Foilco, very recently, earned our 14,001 accreditation. As foil company goes, I think we're the only one in our our industry. Um, And, you know, it's dead important that everybody gets on board. We want to encourage other foil producers, other um, foil suppliers to do exactly that. Is, you know, we're in this together. You know, and that's the thing about the print print community. It's incredibly tight. Um, you know, everybody knows each other. You go to trade fairs and all the rest of it. Everybody knows each other. So why not let's do something positive, right? So that now totally. on to the on to this purple because what purple? So it transpires essentially that. Um, there was a slight error on the artwork that switched two of our codes the other way around. Um, and instead <laughs> of being a nice light green, we ended up with a purple. Um, and we only realized it was purple when the guys who were producing it sent me a picture and said, oh, all 5,000 of them are done and ready to be collected. <laughs> oh, no. And, yeah. And... Um, do you know what at the time i remember going no way this can't be happening this is a complete and utter disaster like this is terrible like i've been thinking about this project for a long time i chose all the colors specifically and now we're running into a position where we've got one that is so far away from what i wanted um this is a disaster let's be honest it's not a disaster it's a berry color Mm-hmm. You know, so it can't, it could, it could, yeah, I get it. That's yeah, berry stuff, yeah. Yep, guys. In one of, one of the things that we wanted to really emphasize is the fact that we're a family run company, we're doing this essentially for the future of our children, our grandchildren, and our mm-hmm. great great grandchildren. And this is arguably the most important one. So now you've got something that was a happy accident and is now the most recognizable one of the pack, mm-hmm. and you know, no one knew that was an accident. That went out and, and we had a really good response to it. You know, people love the purple one, you know. And when when you look back on it, you kind of go, oh, I shouldn't have worried, really. I shouldn't, I, sh- I shouldn't have worried because it actually worked out better in a way. You know, it drew more attention to it, not that people knew that it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes in print, things don't work. But that's not to say that they, 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 they don't work and end up with better results. I mean, if you look at risograph printing and all that sort of stuff, you know, those imperfections are actually the reason people like them. Yes. You know, and because it's character, because it's something that's a bit different. It's not 
the standard. It's not coming off a production line. It's not coming off, you know, it's all perfect every single time. Yeah. We we run our workshop events and we have people, you know, toner foiling and stuff. And the first few events we went to, people would be foiling and they'd, they'd come out and there'd be a big crease right through the middle of it. And we'd be like, oh, no, we're going to have to get rid of it. Well, something's wrong with the machine or whatever. People would peel it off and be like, I love it. You know, it's, it's like there's character in it and it's I like it. oh, oh my god like this is mine yeah. you know and and that's the thing that like with print is i think that it's very forgiving actually print and mm-hmm. i think you know that there are so many examples of like typos and you know so many examples of misregistrations and all that sort of stuff but i bet you i bet you something you remember them and you know they yep. say bad publicity is is good publicity. Yeah. But you know, I just think once it's done, it's done. You, there's not mm-hmm. a lot you can do about it. So you either embrace it, like Eminem did in Eight Mile. You know, you, he picked up on his flaws and he and he told him in the rap battle, and he couldn't do anything about it. And I think, you know, it's it sometimes is nice. Those little happy accidents, I'll be honest, are the ones that I, I quite like. My boss will say completely the opposite, by the way. Yeah. He doesn't like happy accidents, <laughs> and it must be thought out, and it must be proper, and it must go through a process. Sorry, Paul, I love you. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I know what you mean. And, and when you think of it like the, um, you know, like a make-ready sheet or a, or a setup sheet or something, whether it's screen print, whether it's offset, like those things are valuable to designers. They like seeing that that like the different colors and all of the, the cyan plate dropped off this half and you know all of these different things that that come together to create something really unique you know yeah. print as it's print naturally has this built-in exclusivity to it even yeah. if it's just a direct mail piece there's only so many of those pieces created and you have one so now when you get to that like setup and make ready side yeah. that's even more exclusive Mm-hmm. There's almost nobody that has that, right? So it's even more exclusive so that you kind of create those exclusive things, you know, and, and when you think of creating a piece that you're going to create again and the first edition has a big typo on it, mm-hmm. but you fix it for the next one. Well, that first edition is now a collector's item because of that typo. Without a doubt. Right? Yeah, without a doubt. And we, we had a, we had a great example. We, we, um, we produce some, we will help to produce some posters. We were sponsoring for um, an amazing charity called Across Borders. Mm. And they were raising money for female refugees in Syria who basically um, needed support, dignitary packs, basically, to, to, to get them through while they're in basically horrible conditions you know mm-hmm. in 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 camps and stuff and um we had we had these um massive circles uh, literally uh, just a large circle print on, on an a1 uh, poster and you know we wanted to make sure that the ones that we delivered were pristine and mm-hmm. i mean they were pristine and if you check it out on the forco website you see the, the cross borders thing you'll look at them and you'll think wow that's incredible the ones that didn't go down so well you know, the ones that have the ripples in it and they have the missing parts in it, I will tell you, they're in our meeting room. They're on our wall. We are more than proud with the way that they came out because truth truth be told, like the other ones are incredible. They look amazing. Mm-hmm. But our ones are broken and they are wicked, right? They are so cool. And it's got this like lovely ripple effect that almost looks like a, it's got real movement in it. And it just, yeah, it's just cool. 
That's cool. Yeah, it just, again, that exclusivity just creates something so unique that was unintended, a happy accident. My kids it. were intended. I know happy accidents are kind of, you know, those. those. <laughs> exactly. Not happy accidents there. No. <laughs> awesome. Um, Jamie, that is like a beautiful spot to, to wrap this up. Um, so I wanted to say thank you so much for sharing all of this, you know, this excitement about foil and what's possible and for educating me on, you know, the recyclability of foil and the palpableness of that foil, even, you know, in a world, real world application. Um, Cause I just had no idea. Thank you so much for being our guest on the show today here. Absolute pleasure. It's been lovely to speak to you, Dave. Um, one thing, can I just do one thing before I go? Please. I know we're not hard sellers, but if anybody wants to see the range of foils that are available, I massively yes. contradicted myself there, haven't I? But these are relatively <laughs> new fan folds and dead proud of them. They look sick. Um, so yeah, if anybody would like to have any, we're here. Yeah. You know what? Where can people find out more about foil co? So um, you can visit our website, www.foilco.com. So that is foil, the word foil and co. Foilco.com. And in the description of this podcast, I'll make sure I have that link so people can easily access it there. Um, that's a, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Jamie. Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you, Dave. All right. That is the end of today's episode. I told you what a great conversation. Jamie is a riot to chat with. Loved hearing what they're working on and some of the great stuff that they've put together. Uh, like I said, there'll be photos up on our Instagram of what some of these projects look like. I'm going to do a little YouTube unboxing video of the little uh, gift pack, little sample pack that Jamie sent, uh, sent me to check out. Um, so you can see some of those stuff a little bit closer up. And as always, if you're digging what you're hearing here on the Print Design Podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, and leave me a rating and a review. They make me smile. They make me feel warm inside. And most of all, they help other designers find this show and start learning more about print and print design. That's it. We'll see you next week. Cheers. <laughs>